Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Blackmagic. And we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hello, welcome to the 54th episode of Just Shoot It, the podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Oren Kaplan. And as we are dawning on the new year, 2017, we thought we'd take some time to reflect on last year and what us as directors want to do going forward. So today we put together a panel of some really great directors that have all been on the podcast before. And we're going to talk about how we're each going to work on our career in 2017, strategies and tips and things to do on a daily basis to grow our career. Matt, who do we have on the panel? We have Jarrett Lee Conway, who directed a feature this year. Matt Pollock, who traveled all over the world directing commercials. Our very own Eric Cripo, hometown hero. He's starting his own company, editing trailers, and he also cuts this very show. Tim Nakashi, who does music videos and commercials. He was on last year's panel. And Liz Manischel, who now works at Sundance, as well as creating feature films. It's a murderer's row of great panelists. They've got advice for the short term and the long term for 2017, and I can't wait to get into it. Okay, hey guys, thanks for coming. We have a panel of directors, and we have Eric Krapow, also a filmmaker and the editor of our podcast here. Really excited. Thanks, Eric. Just (laughs) to do a quick recap, we have Jarrett Conway, who had a movie, Mono, on Netflix this year. And as a filmmaker, I went to film school, but we won't hold that against him. <laughs> Got Matt Pollock, <laughs> director at College Humor, that's now directing a ton of international high-profile commercials. And just you want to Cleo, you know, it's it's pretty you a lion, a lion, a lion. <laughs> oh, no, that's even better. That's the oh, Golden no. Globes of the Cleos. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. Um, <laughs> We've got Eric, who I just spoke about for a second. We've got Tim Nakashi, who's been on the podcast multiple times, the director of music videos and commercials. I feel like more music videos in the past than a little bit more commercials recently. Yep. And yep. we've got Liz Manichel, who had a movie Bread and Butter on, is it, was it on Netflix also? It'll be on Hulu. On Hulu. That's like the Golden Globes of it is. Hulu. It is. <laughs> <on> Netflix. <laughs> just kidding. Um but so Matt and I really wanted to do kind of a year in review episode, but everyone's out of town during the end of 2016. So we're recording this in the beginning of 2017. And what I wanted to ask you guys is based on what you accomplished in 2016, what are you, what's your plan for 2017? For my, me personally as a director, I know New Year's is like kind of a big turning point for everyone, but I think when you work in a creative field and when you're a freelancer, It's even more so like that time where you pause and you're like, okay, this is what I accomplished. And this is really how I want to define myself for the next year. So I wanted to ask you guys, we can start with Jarrett. 
you know, you did your movie. What's what's your plan for 2017? Yeah, so um, I got new representation from my film, which, you know, it wasn't like they just reached out to me. I, I had to mail probably like 2,000 people in my Google contacts, and I definitely forgot to BCC the first batch, so that that wasn't good. But, you know, it led to all of one meeting with someone I had met with before, and they had an executive who really liked it, and that led to, you know, another meeting that led to new representation, and, and, and those reps were sending me out with various studios are trying to break me into television directing. And then I have a script that is getting some interest from some different producers. So hopefully I'll be able to move forward with that. Awesome. And that's interesting. Do you feel like having done a feature that you kind of want to move from features into TV or is it kind of an equal thing for you? What's what's the goal? What's like if you yeah. had to pick one, where are you going? Well, the crazy thing is, is that you almost it's like a catch 22. You almost already have to have directed a feature to direct television these days. They want to like see that you've already done a feature length thing. So yeah, hopefully that will be helpful now that I've done the feature. I I did, you know, sell something at one point. It it was in development, but I wasn't going to be allowed to direct that because I hadn't already directed something, (laughs) a feature length or TV. Again, crazy catch 22s. But yeah, you know, I now have strong like you know, TV reps that are sending me out as a director for television. I mean, what they, they want to do is get me shadowing. Like, mm-hmm. so get me, I met with, you know, for example, I met with Stars Network mm-hmm. with the vice president and the director of development and people like that. Now they're sending me to meet with producers of shows that they'd want me to shadow on. Mm, cool, man. To try to get them to let me shadow. I That's feel really like cool. Stars is like, like a sleeper awesome network that people aren't talking about enough. I, I think feel like they're doing the coolest yeah. stuff. It's right? like the next AMC. Yeah, yeah I think so too. So I think we'll we'll do a deeper delve into all of these things. But just maybe let's move on to Matt Pollock. Yeah, Matt, you, you you did TV and you haven't done a feature. Yes. Do you want to do a feature? Yes. Basically, he's just counting everything <laughs> I just said. <laughs> so every yeah, everything Jared just said, I'm going to go with the opposite of. I sent out one email and got a response. Got no, no. <laughs> got, got two thousand responses. Um, so yeah, um, you BCC'd me on that though. Like, yeah. It's really cool to like, check out. You were there. Um, no, I guess next year for me, yeah, I, I did three episodes of TV. I had a, a very lucky situation where the kind of the backbone of the show, the production company, and everyone involved I had worked with at College Humor. This is Adam Ruins Everything? This is Adam Ruins Everything. So I had a very cool. close tie-in there. And, I mean, they didn't just hire me because they knew me, but, you know, that obviously helped. So it's a very, like, lucky, because it is true. You either need feature, you need TV work to get more TV work. It's it's that impossible, like, get your foot in the door. How do you do it when it's so shut, you know, and you just have to figure out a way? So I got lucky there. And I did three episodes, it went well, and it got re-upped for another season, so I'm hoping that I'll get more episodes next season, which would be shooting sometime in the spring, so that's something. And then, yeah, just doing more commercials and trying to get more TV, which is something that I'm trying to figure out as well, because if you do a TV show, it's similar to commercials where you're like, oh, you do that type of show, that's what you do. And it's like, yeah, but I could also direct Man Seeking Woman, so... That's a really specific type of show. What Adam ruins everything? Yeah. Oh yeah, there's nothing else I like don't it. Even know right. what, I don't even know what genre to put it in. No, exactly. It's a very unique show, so it's like it's, it's like also a, a little even bad because I mean the show's great, I love it, but it's tough to get other TV work from that because it's like, well, there's nothing else like it, which makes the show great. 
but makes me using that for my career very bad. <laughs> People um, just love like a one-to-one comparison. Yeah, they love yeah. to say, we want this. You've done that. You can do this right. without having to take a risk. They could go, well, this is why we hired this person. And then they everyone goes, okay, that makes sense. Well, just to get specific, it's the first week of January. What are you doing tomorrow to get more TV work? It's funny you say that because tomorrow is like literally my one day off where I wasn't going to do anything <laughs> at all. So actually, when you asked that Netflix. at the beginning, when you were like, what are you doing to me? And I'm just like, oh, fuck, what am I doing? Like, I'm really stressed out now. Um, no, I mean, there is a possible gig that's kind of floating its head with my managers for another true TV show, which could be really cool. But two things I'm doing. One is I set up my new office, in my apartment, which I'm stoked about. And then once that's done, it's uh, websites and real specific. So kind of an idea I had was I would love to direct an episode of like Man Seeking Woman or something like that is put together on my website, a page that I could just hyperlink and send to people and say, these are all the sketches, commercials, things I've done that is so closely related to that show look, I can do this and That's hopefully great. that will help. Oh, and I'm going to, yeah, it's a great show. So I plan to do that for like a few different kind of things I want to do and see if that works. That's a really good idea. That's like from the commercial world. I don't, you know, I know some of us are into that wire drive thing where yeah. your production company is showing very specific clips of your work to try to get a specific job. And they're making these kind it's kind of like a custom web page where they're like, hey, you're doing a car commercial. Look at these five car commercials, my yeah. Uh, directors did. Well, real quick, just not to hog everything, but one thing that's great about commercials is that there's people to help you get the work. The bad thing about that is it lets you kind of sit on your heels a little bit, sure. and it that doesn't happen anywhere else. TV, film, doesn't matter if you have representation, like, you're still going to have to do the work, uh, Jared, you know, like, that still has to happen. You still have to, like, write your own stuff and even produce your own stuff and and then find producers, all that you still have to do. Whereas in commercials, there's a team of people. And obviously you have to win the jobs and having connections helps, but there's people who are kind of pushing you more mm-hmm. than the other fields. So it's kind of great in one aspect, but also bad because it might make you lazy in other things. If that makes sense. Cool. Thanks. So Eric, you have a new production company. You guys do a lot of posts, but you guys are doing some production too, right? Well, not yet. We're hoping to do that at some okay. point. So what's what do you do this year to, to grow the company? Um, we want to find more people who need movie trailers and cut movie trailers for them is the idea. So we're, we're cutting a couple trailers right now that are sort of trying to show that we can cut more genres so that we can start like shopping around to like small production companies or indie people who have just made a movie that need a trailer and stuff like that. So. And how did you find these uh, this initial batch of movies that you were looking to cut? The ones that we've already cut? Uh, the, the ones you guys are cutting right now? Right now? Uh, or, or the ones you were, had already cut? One is yeah. literally we like posted an ad like, hey, we're looking to, to cut trailers for people. And somebody contacted us. We're doing his his like little low-budget thriller. And then um, the other one is we have a friend that works at a faith-based mm-hmm. production company who was just like, hey, we have a movie who needs a trailer. You guys want to do it? And we're like, sure. And that's actually kind of how the whole thing You're like, fuck yeah, man. Started. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. So, Tim, we talked a little bit that you kind of did a little bit of a transition from mostly music videos to mostly commercial work. What's what's your deal? I mean, I saw that you have a new email signature. Uh, new, yeah, thanks for noticing says, that. You um, know? Like it says Tim Nakashi, and then it just says work in really big letters. And if you yeah. click on work, it takes you to a place where people can decide whether they want to give you work or not. 
Yeah, I mean, I was like, what the hell? New font, you know? New year, new <laughs> I like font. It. I really like it. Live a little, you know? Yeah. Maybe you should put like a blue underline under it so people know you can click on it. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that. I spent a couple hours, you know, went to some mushrooms. I was like, no. No, that the whole hyperlink thing, you know, that's so 2016. We got a no, yeah, but yeah, we got a new president. But yeah, new president. Uh, <laughs> new president, new links, new so. font. Yes. Um, so, how are you going to make your year great again? Yeah. The, how well? Last year was interesting uh, because it was the first year I had done more by far commercial work than music videos, which was very welcome. You know, I still had some good video experiences, which was nice. I shot at the end of the last thing I did at the end of the year was shoot a Sean Paul music video in London, which was great and legendary to work with Sean Paul. Sean Paul Van Damme? Sean Paul, yeah. And then uh, Sean Paul Van Damme would have been much better, actually, yeah. (laughs) But uh, in any case, you know, I guess the name of the game for me is parlaying more of this commercial stuff. I, you know, I'm repped at RSA, but it's like a big ship, a big company, and they are notorious for not pushing you. So it was interesting to hear you talk about being pushed for commercials. But yes, I think I'm, I'm, my reel is being sent, but I think it's a very passive thing. So I, I managed to sort of talk them into letting me just do stuff outside of their company, right and left. And so it turned out to be a good year because I got to work with all these other companies. And Do they get you the music videos also? They do, and they do push me for music videos. So, yeah, they're very strong in that way. I think that's part of what I liked about Matt's advice of Mm. making your own kind of little mini wire drive site, right? Like if it was just slash cars, slash comedy, slash Mm -hmm. sketch, slash scripted, because then at least you have control over what they're sending out. You know, they'd much rather just have that little site made for them rather than like you know, kind of sort through your site. Maybe they've seen your stuff completely. Maybe they haven't, you know, like ha- having ownership over what people see and in, in, in what order they see it is really powerful. So, yeah. Yeah. But do you do that for commercials? Because I feel like every commercial, I'd want something different. I can't, I can't imagine I'll make like a, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't do that, but like that's, you know, RSA's job or, you know, my company right. loan holds job to do it is to, I often get emails of like, this is the type of job that, you know, you're being reached out to for like, do you have any other, projects aside from these three we're going to put in your reel what else do you have to send out right but i mean yeah it's it's that's someone else's job to do all that for you which is what commercials are like but yes when you're at like a place like rsa you there's so many directors it's hard to kind of stand out and get that so that is a tricky part and they're such a big company that like if they're putting me up for something yeah, I mean, it's like their name is going to speak more than mine. So they, it seems like half the time they don't even really worry about a reel mm-hmm. or they don't even say anything to me other than, hey, there's this thing you can do. Like, okay, great, and which is awesome. But right. um, but you would get like, oh, we're doing a commercial with Adam Levine. And they were like, oh, our director has worked with him before, right? For sure. Like here's, yeah, you should work with Tim. He has a really good you know, rapport with Adam yeah. Levine. Yeah, will you say friends. hi to me? Hi to him for me? Yeah, I will. <laughs> Thanks, yeah definitely cool. will. Yeah, cool. But yeah, so the, the year for me is about seeing uh, if I can continue to do that, more commercials, some music videos, but really carve space and time to do what I'm hoping to do, which is narrative in some way or another. So I had a script, got a co-writer. So what are you doing tomorrow? Um, Such a stressful question. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow... I've got this like PSA that I'm putting out with a friend soon that sort of goes 
it has to do with some anti-Trump stuff that I'm excited about and that I'm, we're sort of doing a little bit of work on. I did a anti-Trump PSA for College Humor and it was the most depressing thing, actually. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It was like the beginning of me realizing that Trump was going to win. It was like a PSA to Ivanka to be like, hey, girl, like you're a genius. Like you don't have to work for your dad. It's like, it's pretty funny, right? Like I think the writer is super talented and Mm. you know, there's not a ton to do directing wise. So Mm. it's all them, but you read those comments and you're like, Oh no. And it really sent me into a depression spiral that, you know, here we are. Yeah. 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 And now we're on the other side of the election. I I hope it (laughs) works out better for you. Oh no, it won't. I'm sure I'll get a lot of hate email. I'm excited about that. Uh, in any case, uh, but yeah, by the end of the week, at least, I'll, I'll be taking a crack again at this script and moving forward with that stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'm, it's like I'm, I'm on a slightly moving train with this commercials and music videos, but at, at some point I want to hop to another train or I don't know, or I don't know, are you going to juggle narrative and commercial and, and whatnot? Is that is that the... Yeah, my goal is to be like... Jean-Claude Van Damme in the commercial yeah. with the Volvo. The Volvo, <laughs> it was a Volvo? I don't know. Yeah, with the Volkswagen two, truck? Yeah, Volkswagen. the two yeah. trucks, but instead mm-hmm. switch that with trains. Yeah. Oh, wait, and that's going to be me just in the middle yeah. split. Why? Why? Yeah. Why that metaphor or why do I want to do <laughs> No, no. Why do you want to do both? Because, money. yeah. Well, no. I mean, yes. Yes and no. I mean. Because I want to do both and it's because of money for yeah. sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I want to be doing TV because, uh, I mean, I want to be doing movies, but I also want to be doing TV because TV is amazing right now. There's so many good shows and it's hard to not want to be a part of that. And so there's some really great shows I want to work on. So that's why I want to do TV. I want to do commercials. The reason why I got into commercials in the first place was because I saw that there was a market where I could make money and, Mm -hmm. you know, live and survive being a director doing that wait you can survive being a director <laughs> know, it's, it's a, not not very well but enough to kind of squeak by it depends on what you life. mean by survive yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so i i kind of went in that full that route and i have found a love for commercials that mm-hmm. i didn't have before over the, especially over the last year because i did so many and there is a part of me that's like if i went full into commercials maybe i could be like a very great commercial director mm-hmm. if i really went for it as opposed to being like half-assed not that I've been being half-assed if any producers are <laughs> um, But, you know, like really try to make it your own. But if I did that, I also know that I would be really upset that I also wasn't doing TV. It's not that I, I'm i missing out on it. It's just that that's a creative side of me that I, I like. I like the continuity and the storytelling aspect of that that you don't get with a 30-second ad. Right. So, well, I think the thing that is important to me, or the thing I've been thinking about a lot, right, is because kind of we all do these commercial jobs to make money. You kind of, I'm worried that we're missing out on just making the features that we all want to make, which is a perfect segue to Liz, who doesn't give a fuck about commercials. <laughs> I don't. I'm like, I'm kind of a different breed. If I could direct a commercial, I would. I don't have it in me. It's not, I don't have those talents. I don't know how to take notes. For, I mean, I don't even know what it's like to direct a commercial, but I assume mm-hmm. it's uh, taking notes from people and acting diplomatic, and there's a lot of politics and a lot of selling and manipulation. You're a real monster, Liz. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really wish I had those skills because I would love to be a working director. I just don't have that passion. So I'm a non-working director. I work once every probably seven years. Um, <laughs> and I'll just Kubrick turn out style. one feature every seven years that I write and direct and cast. And um, that's my 2017 is that I'm prepping my second feature. 
which we're shooting in August. Uh, Wait, so it's not really seven years, because I mean... No, but like, who really knows if we should I mean, more like two years. <laughs> well, we were released in 2015, but the film was done in 2014. So that's... I mean, it's getting close, guys. Like, 2012 was when we shot the first film, and it's 2017 now. It's five years. So yeah, it's terrifying. But then you think mm-hmm. about David Lynch, and you're like, oh, he took seven years to make a Razorhead, right? Yeah. My film's so close to that. <laughs> anyway, wow, getting on a tangent. So yes, I'm not a working director. I don't have regular gigs, and I work every day at a Sundance. So I work every day helping other filmmakers, and I think my main goal is to not get resentful about that, which hasn't happened yet, but I see it, it might. I, I will say I used to, at my day job, help a lot of other directors, and that resentment was very helpful. Oh, it like, spurred you on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was fueled because, by hate. Yeah, no, but you were also fueled by when you go to a film festival and you're like, that movie played at Sundance? I could have made a way better movie than that. It's That's creative like, jealousy. It's necessary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like uh, my friend said about Jewish people, which I am one of, is that he's noticed that they're just like never, ever satisfied with anything. Oh, I Um, agree with that. And that's like part of what makes you want to make better things. Maybe I'm part Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) I will say if there is a way to take creative jealousy and turn it into a energy source, L.A. would be like the, the hub of all energy and it would be great. Well, it's kind of like homage is that, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, which is like, hey, I really like this, but I want to do something different or better, you know? Well, Liz, what are you doing tomorrow for your movie? Oh, um, I write every day for 30 minutes. My final draft for the script was due like four days ago. So hopefully we'll due turn it whom? in tomorrow. Due to who are you accountable to? It's okay. So it's like one of those LA stories, right? So like your producer meets someone and that sounds impressive and then they give you notes and then you take their notes seriously. And then if they like your notes, then maybe something will happen. So that's the, the fun situation I'm in right now. Is so it's a, pro- it's a producer through a series of contacts? It's like a it? wild card. Yeah. It's yeah. like a... A fancy person from a company that I never heard of, but like other people have heard of because I'm such a lame-o sometimes. And I should know more about these companies and these opportunities, and I don't. And he gave me the best notes I've heard so far, which is really unfortunate for me because that means I have to do a lot of work. (laughs) Wait, so Jared and Liz, if tomorrow someone comes to you and says, hey, we're doing a commercial for, it's like an internet web commercial. It's $100,000 you're going to get. Chrissy Teigen to be in it for like two hours, not $100,000 to you. That's the budget. We're going to give you $10,000. It's going to be like two weeks of work. Do you say yes or do you say no? I'm focusing yes. on feature yeah, films. Of course they I me, say yes. They want me to direct? Yes. You know, I can speak a little bit about commercials. I was repped at not RSA, but an equivalent. RSB. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Golden Globes of RSA. Yeah, I mean, heck, look, you know, yeah, I was repped there. I was repped at Partisan, okay, <laughs> based on a short film that I had made, but I didn't have any commercials. So it was this really weird thing where it was like, I didn't have commercial work, but I had a short film. And I got contacted by the head of the company, like executive produced all of Michelle Gondry's work. Amazing. And I had no clue how to navigate it. So I wish I knew someone like you that could tell me what to do because I kind of just sat there and I didn't have any music videos either. And then like a year and a half passed. And I, I was calling people like Hiro Mirai, who like we created Atlanta. And I was like, hey, and like, you know, what do I do? 
What did he tell you? <laughs> I, tell you, us all. You, <laughs> you know, I, 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 it was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> <I was> just, <laughs> it was a while ago. But I mean, I made some cool contacts and went on some sets, but I, I was not able to parlay that into work. Unfortunately, like I did all of one pitch, which I had to ask a lot of favors for like a storyboard artist to work for free for me and all this stuff. And I pitched it and I didn't end up getting the gig. And then I just didn't really know. I'm bad at pitches. So no, you guys it's, it's, like, it's because like to, to do work, to get work you might not get when you're broke is like the worst thing. Yeah. I'm sure when you book like one job, then you can afford to pitch for more, but I, I couldn't, you know. It's also emotionally just like bone crushing to like spend time you don't have on something you don't want and not get it. Yeah. So, but so don't you think there's like, you know how they say like to write, you have to like turn off that part of you that like criticizes your own writing. Like, isn't there something as filmmakers that are trying to not just be directors for hire, but are trying to bring new ideas into the world and stuff like a part of you that has to say like, Hey, there's a very good chance that I'm not going to get paid for any of this work, but this is what I chose to do. I chose to do this work, whether I get paid or not. (laughs) I mean, I've never been paid to direct and I willingly go into that world. And that's, you know, if I could direct commercials, I would, because it sounds like you make money and you get asked back and people like you. It sounds wonderful. But I'm like, I'm going to hear that that I'm wrong in a second. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah, Liz, your life is pretty good. I don't know. (laughs) No, but but Liz, why don't you get Bobby Moynihan or like some recognizable person from your movie and say, hey, let's shoot a spec commercial. Do you think I, like Bobby Moynihan, I'll like text him and be like, hey, Bobby, I really like doing Monsters University. And he'll text back, yay. That's it. (laughs) That's the end of the conversation. So it's I'm not like friends. friends with the people. I mean, I, if they want to be friends with me, I'd love to be friends with them. But like, you know, it's a working relationship. I think yeah. that the tricky part is when you're in a situation where you are making money directing and you don't want that to go away. So, for instance, I there's a few shorts I really want to make. And obviously there's a few features that I have that I really want to make. But in order for me to do any of those, I have to take a month to a year off, depending on if it's a short or if it's a feature, and just focus on that. And when you're making money and making a career doing commercials and digital series and TV work, to take that time off to go do something is terrifying. So for me, it's like I haven't found anything as much as I love my shorts. There's a couple that I really want to make. There isn't necessarily a feature right now that I'm like dying to make. So because of it, I just keep putting it off. And I've been putting it off since I was, you know, like 24 and now I'm 32 and I'm not like, you know, I'm still young. But what I'm saying is eventually I'm going to be 42 and then 52 and even if I'm directing every day, there's still going to be a part of me that hasn't that hasn't been able to fulfill that itch. Mm-hmm. And that is a very scary thing as well. So I yeah. guess what I'm saying is no matter what situation you're in, it's never all rainbows. And it Grass we're all is always ge- a little bit greener. Yeah, yeah, we're all jealous of each other to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Well, the, there's, a, there's a difference between <laughs> yeah. doing something artfully and doing your own art, right? So like the work for higher work... Like, yeah, you're you're stretching those muscles, you're, you know, doing that work and it feels really great and gratifying. And that can be your own art. But there are plenty of instances where you're doing it just because it's money or like you don't know what else to do or it like makes you feel better. You know, like all that stuff of like, ah, clients are nice to you sometimes and like you're directing a thing. That's like a real high that is addictive. Yeah. Right. And like you add that plus like a living wage and all that stuff together and all of a sudden you're not making it, your features. It's a path though. Like what I'm what I'm dealing with sometimes is like I'm trying to create my own path and there's it's trudging along and 
most likely I'm going to make these under the radar features for the rest of my life, which I'll be emotionally satisfied by, but my career most likely will not take off. Whereas I look at all of the impressive things that you guys do, and I feel like I said something similar last year, so I'm sorry for repeating myself, but you're part of this machinery and this path that's already tread. So I feel like there's got to be some kind of confidence you can glean from that. I'm looking around and everyone looks depressed. <laughs> I'm totally wrong yet again. But I have to say, from my perspective, it, it seems like you guys have momentum. Or what will happen is because you work at Sundance, your next feature gets into Sundance and you blow up. They won't let me apply to anything. I can't apply to the labs. I can't apply to the festival. I had a friend, Mike Mohan. Do you know him? He worked at Sundance for a long time. First, he was Michelle Satter's assistant. And then then he made a feature. It was like for their next program. And then he got in um, the the mornings. uh, Every morning. Anyway, he, he learned how to get into Sundance by working at the Sundance lab, you know. Yeah, I, I want to talk to him then. I mean, yeah, because he said, and he would He's going to be at Sundance with, for two weeks. <laughs> That's going to find out with him. him. But He's he would tell us key. interesting trends. He'd be like, you know, in 2003, every film was like dollies. In 2004, every film was like handheld. You know, he'd, like he'd, he'd notice like what's working, what's not working. And I think he was actually part of the screenwriting lab, or at least he got me an internship there when I first moved to L.A. Nice. And um, just going, being a part of all that stuff is you learn what they're looking for. You know, and so whether they're going to directly get you into Sundance or not, you are getting exposed to the Sundance way of things. Yeah, well, I think what maybe we're seeing is like we've got a pair of feature directors who are like, I want to do some commercials and make some money. (laughs) (laughs) The commercial directors are like, I want to make a feature so I can direct TV. So I guess that's maybe the answer for everyone. Uh Well, but I think to just bring it back to New Year's and I thought this was an interesting topic is to me, like we have these like couple of weeks off where we're kind of not working that much, at least I I think most of us. And it's that time when, at least for me personally, I remind myself of like when I moved to LA and I made like YouTube videos just with my friends for fun. And I'd never even thought about like the commercial viability or my career or anything. That's like when I made some of my best stuff. That's when I got my break. And since then, I'm so busy worrying about pitching this gig or writing this treatment or working at Sundance or, you know, trying to figure out like what the next job is that you you lose the sight of like why you are a filmmaker, you know? And so to me, the New Year's is about like reminding myself. And that's why I think like, what are you going to do tomorrow is like the better question. And then like, what is your plan for the year? Because my plan, of course, yeah, I'm going to finish my feature and I'm going to like shadow some directors and I'm going to like make an awesome short film. It's going to be a Vimeo staff pick. But it's like, none of that counts for anything unless you're like doing something tomorrow, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm very very stressed out. So <laughs> I know, I, I've been looking at your face and I, I like, like feel like, real I, bad. Did I say something? No, I have like a pit in my stomach. Like I have pain, like the stomach <laughs> is in pain right now because I'm like, fuck. Well, of all of us here, I think you're probably the one that has like the most balls in motion that you could take a week off and probably have a job next week. Yeah, but my, I, I go back and I'm sure everyone goes back to this, which is the, no matter how hard you work, there's someone else working harder and there's that theory of like, you hear in interviews of people just being like, every day I was doing work to just get, and it's just like, I don't want to take a day off because I don't want that day mm-hmm. to be the day that like could have sparked some inspiration or I could have met someone or whatever it is. So uh, this is an in memoriam episode. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm usually not being productive and then I have bursts of productivity. Yeah, so I'm more like that. Like I'm going I to the coffee shop tomorrow. It's <laughs> already yeah. better than what I With, was to write. Yeah, to write. Even if you, even if this is going to be sad to say, but even not writing, 
<laughs> I, I, I stayed at home today. I had a phone call for a commercial in the morning, which is great because it's potential work. And then I went to Gelson's to pick up groceries. And then I've sat inside all day working on my office and watching Westworld, trying to catch up on it. Oh, yes, Westworld. And so you going to the coffee shop is like you at least going into public and maybe someone might see you and be like, oh, yeah, Jared, I got to see you a script I wrote. You'd love, you know, like. Even that is more than what I'm saying. You're yeah. do, just going to a coffee well, shop. Well, Pollock is, is losing half his income by shopping at Gelson's instead of. <laughs> <laughs> She's got good produce. <laughs> it's true. Those avocados are five dollars, and they're worth it. Um, well, so I guess something I always talk about the podcast, and this is another thing I think about in the new year, is like how you define yourself as a director. You know, I mean, Liz, you talked a little bit about like how you know you, you might make these indie films every seven years. But like, what's the, like, I think no matter how successful we are, we're always like wondering, like, why is someone going to choose me over anyone else? Like, what's my voice? Is that something that you guys think about Can at the I, beginning I, of the year? I just want to jump in on that question because it relates to something that Matt was saying that I almost wanted to like interrupt him about. It's that idea that we're waiting to be chosen rather than us doing the projects. And I, and I get it. No one, no, no one other than me really wants to make $30,000 features because it's hell and it takes seven years. But that mentality is like a mentality that we talk about in the women in film world all the time, mm. where it's like we're waiting for these gatekeepers to be like, here you go, come on in. And I never really thought this was a topic that would be at large for everyone. But it sounds like it's something that we're all battling with is this like you're thinking you're going to miss an opportunity because of one gig, but I feel like you're going to take a week off or take a few months off, make your film, and then you're going to create 3,000 opportunities from that major project. And like, I wish we could just flip the script a little bit and just think what opportunities are we going to create for ourselves rather than have them bestowed on us? Is that too idealistic? I don't know. That's how I feel though. It's like not yeah, waiting. I mean, there is that feeling like, when it comes to everything comes to TV or whatever, it's like waiting for someone to give you that opportunity. Yeah. I think in, in TV, there's more so of a gatekeeper than unless you create a show yourself, which is also very hard because then it still is a gatekeeper thing. Whereas film, you can do your own stuff. I think everyone has suffers from the gatekeeper thing. I do think obviously, you know, women and minority filmmakers more so than white male filmmakers are not going to even go down that road because it's obvious. But it does stop people from doing stuff. And you're right. You do just have to do it. So thank you, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I want to speak on that a little bit because of what I'm going through right now. Um, I mean, I, I guess one of my skill sets is that I'm very social and I know a lot of people. So the whole like, it's not what you know, it's who you know thing. I've never really worried about because I know everybody. Mm. You know, that that's what I'm good at. So like I was able to, I'm putting pieces together. Like my producers are attached to a project and I was at a party and I was schmoozing with somebody and I told them about my producers. And they're like, I know those producers. I'm like, yeah, and this financier already read and he liked it. He said, mm. I talked to that financier this morning. Can I read it? Yeah, and I have a pitch book and I sent it to him. Next thing I know, he's like, oh, we love this thing. And now I'm meeting with this mm -hmm. big A-list company's 
you know, producers mm-hmm. and and everyone's kind of involved in communicating. So like sometimes even if you can get producers involved with the project of yours, you have to facilitate kind of grease the wheels via your own connections and and show that you're being proactive and putting everything together. And the key um, there is that you had this project and you had this pitch book, right? It's like it's not yeah, just I that you did it. I had that literally on my phone and I showed it to him while we were having drinks and I sent yeah. it to him right there. Jared is the dude who will be like, I got it on my phone, check it out. And, <laughs> and you're like, dope, uh, right? like, like so yeah, yeah, the valet yeah. wants me to leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm like constantly stressed out that I'm just like another white 30 something year old Jewishy type of, you know, director that's done like a couple things. And like there's a, literally like thousands and thousands of us. And so I'm just like always trying to find what can I do that nobody else can do. And this last year, I'm really trying to work on more personal stories and things that are about me. But I did this show at the beginning of the year, and one of our writers, Alison Schroeder, she wrote that movie, um, Hidden Figures. She was on the radio right before I came in. Oh, cool. She's great. Yeah, I, I guess that's why she so couldn't far. come today. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. We didn't invite her. Um, but uh, she that, that was her first kind of big movie that she wrote, and it's about you know these African... She's a Caucasian Jewish girl that grew up in L.A., and I was like, oh, this is like a random, you know, pick for you because it's about like African-American engineers at NASA in like the 50s. And she's like, well, my grandfather actually worked at NASA and my grandmother was an engineer and I played like in the Mercury prototype or whatever. And she had like such a strong science NASA background that like, like a personal connection. Yeah. When she pitched herself on the project, it was like, oh, you're actually the only person that could write this movie, you know, and it's like, how do I define myself? How do I make a earnfilm.com slash you know, cars or, you know, whatever, whatever I want to work on. Yeah. That Slash people feature. Are like, yeah, yeah. That are like, this is the guy that has to do this movie, you know? And again, in like December is when I get to think about these things. Cause I'm not like stressing out about like sending someone a treatment. The scary thing about that is like, I spent a lot of time working on a really personal project that was quirky that like only I felt like I could write. And then you can't get like anybody to like do anything with it. And it's just sitting there, you know? So this year I actually took a very different approach and I went to the coffee shop and I wrote 50 log lines. And then I called up like, you know, some successful producers I knew that like have made 10 movies that are like, we want to work with you. And I said, okay, here are, they said, give us 10. We don't need 50. (laughs) And so I gave them 10 and I gave my agent. 10 and of course they picked totally different log lines right mm-hmm. but the producer was so passionate he like called my agents and said this is the one that Jared's doing and they're like well Jared are you passionate about it I was like whatever man <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. I was like I'll get passionate about it yeah. and I'll paint myself into a corner and I'll, and I'll fucking write because yeah. I have to get something made and like this is a guy saying that like I like this I'm passionate about it I want an attachment agreement to it and I'm going to help find money for it and that's what you need to get something made. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you can write this very personal script, and then you're the only one reading it. Mm-hmm. But that's okay know. if you're emotionally satisfied by writing that script that's right. and making that movie. Well, and making that movie, if you yeah. get to make that movie. But that's why I go and pitch micro-budget. Yeah, I, go. I, I don't. I always write, like, big, big things. Yeah. yeah. More but explosions. I also, but I also think you guys just sort of like split hairs on, on on a little specific thing that I think about, which is just not wanting to live in regret later on in life. So, you know, the name of the game at times is just, you you painted yourself in the corner in the, the perfect way. Now you have to get your shit together and write that thing. And you will write something that you will do your best on 
and hopefully you'll get to make. But at least you know at that moment you were on the grind on the, on the right path trying to make the thing that you want to do as opposed to, well, let me just play it safe and try to do commercials for now and this certain type or whatever that I not invested in or whatever. Big, big gulp there. <laughs> gulp? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. It's like you throw yourself into a situation that you know you want and that you have to force yourself to get out in the best way possible. So even whatever it is, it's like you're going about the right steps. You're going to be in a position where it's like, I'm, I got to make this and, and you're going to be better off for it. This is like a big therapy session. Sure. Yeah. Well, well, have you heard a podcast before? <laughs> no. Well, I mean, yeah, but it's not like so much yeah. like, well, you know, yeah. when it comes to talking to DPs, you got to, yeah. it's like, I mean, my, like I, yeah. with you asked earlier about like, what's the thing that sets you apart is like, I feel, and this is really, I'm, when I'm on set and working on projects, I'm very confident in what I'm doing and I feel very good. But when I'm not, like, I feel like somebody is like just paying people off to get me work because they're like, Matt needs to have like an interesting life. Here's mm. just pay, just let him direct this. <laughs> yeah. And that's how like my whole career has been. It's just like people being like, yeah, we'll give him a shot, but like whatever. Yeah, the know. whole all your jobs are just a big charade. People are like yeah. walkies, like a Truman Show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like no, a there's, there's like, like no film in the I'm camera. like and action, and they're like we're not ro- like they're not even rolling. And <laughs> sure, like, guys, action, yeah. right? Yeah. And okay. then someone else is doing all like the legwork behind. And I'm like, look at this thing I made, and like you didn't do anything, kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. All right, so we're gonna hold off on the rest of the conversation this was such a good conversation we didn't want to cut it short so it's a two-parter like we mentioned before so stay tuned next week for the end of that conversation with Jarrett, eric matt tim liz me and oren but in the meantime you can check out all the things we talked about at just shoot it pod and you can follow us on twitter at just shoot it pod you can check out all the things we talked about on our website just shoot it pod.com or follow us on twitter at just shoot it pod and we will tweet about this episode and yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one yeah there's been actually like a good amount of conversation on twitter recently oren have you been checking it out you guys have been engaging it's been fun it's yeah. been super cool yeah i've been checking it out um, so thanks for that guys it makes us feel uh, good and um i think there's a lot of interesting information being tossed around yeah speaking of which follow us on twitter and rate us on itunes if you can it's really helpful and we will see you next time this episode was edited by eric Crapo. thanks eric and music was provided by the free music archive and the artist jazar thanks everyone bye Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.